Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more, please uh, visit www.ciotalknetwork.com. And as always, I invite you to join the discussion on Twitter. Look for this show as hashtag agility. Today's topic is Mastering Recipe to Business Agility, and I've got uh, James Swanson, who's the Chief Information Officer with Monsanto. Hi, Jim. How are you? Hi. Good morning to you. Good morning to you as well. And we have Cindy McKenzie, who's the CIO with Deluxe Entertainment Group. Hey, Cindy. How's life? Life's great. <laughs> All right. Good, good. So so the reason we even picked up this topic, you know what? Frankly, you go into uh, to, to any conference, you talk to any leader today, they are saying, you know what? I got to make my business agile. And, and when you start deconstructing this agility, that means you got to have a lot of data, right type of data, actionable data and insights which you can use. Then you need application and infrastructure which could scale. To the, at the speed of business, if you will. And then finally, the people and the culture which who have to kind of come together and they be ready to uh, you know, uh, change or switch hats on a dime. So all of this is, is, is too much happening at the same time and you really don't have so-called a governance structure or a practice which has really proven to be successful. So, so how would any organization, number one, kind of get their arms around it, get a structure perhaps, or they can try to work toward developing their own recipe or a, or, or a mix of things that they will do so that they master this art of business agility. So that said, so Jim, first question for you. We know we already are doing a whole lot. And, and frankly, with IT departments, we always know we are asked to do more with less or more with nothing sometimes. And you got already more than a full plate. Do you think this is really helping or is it going to even become uh, worse of a situation where we are going to get love diminishing returns will kick in and you'll get less than what you've been trying to get in terms of business agility? So I think uh, every industry is being transformed through technology and agriculture is certainly uh, top of that list. It's an industry that's been around for thousands of years. And I'd say over the last half decade or so, it is really being transformed through digital, through science, through the need to feed a growing planet. Um, there's seven and a half billion people on the planet today going to nine billion by 2050 and doing that sustainably. So it's driving a sense of agility, certainly in my industry, that we need to be able to think through and how technology can enable that. And the way that we've approached that is really to try to disrupt processes and thinking and, and bring data, bring analytics, and bring technology to drive a really important industry for the future. So that enables us to, although we have to continue to drive through a cost-effective mechanism, but really think about IT being a transformative change agent for our company and our industry, not just a back office respond to items. We try to disrupt them. We disrupt processes. We disrupt the way of thinking. and allows us to really put technology in the center with our science and our people and our processes to drive things in very different ways. By taking that mindset, we've been able to what we call unlock the value of IT or unlock digital yield, we call it. We're a yield-based company and really trying to drive technology to drive different ways of thinking. So balance the cost optimization, but really the growth, the revenue, the impact technology can have. And that balance has allowed us to be very innovative and drive some different approaches that uh, has enabled our business. That's a great response, Jim. So now, Cindy, based on what uh, Jim said, he, he definitely provided an input on how IT contributes. Now, let's look at the business agility, the business component of the business agility. Did business want it? And if that's the case, should they be driving it or IT should come and tell them, this is what I can do. And so let's do experimentation and let's see what more we can deliver. Who's triggering this? Well, I think honestly, for it to be the most effective, it has to be it has to be a senior management initiative. And for us, um, we're, we're a media company, so um, we've been affected by digitization pretty significantly as well. And for us specifically, because we were a film lab, <laughs> so think Kodak, you know, for uh, movie mastering, our entire business model was completely, utterly disrupted, and we had to completely transform ourselves five years. Ago, um, in order to stay, you know, profitable and and re- relevant, 
and as well as that, the you know, if you think about the media industry, it is changing completely, you know, on an ongoing basis, and so it's a, you know, it's going to be a continuum for us that we need to do in order to 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 stay relevant for our customers. Um, but I would say for us, we really didn't get uh, momentum on, you know being truly uh, agile from a business perspective until we got our new CEO in place, uh, John Wallace, about a year ago. And when he put that, you know, significant focus on business strategy and business agility, it set the tone at the top. And, you know, he put a leadership team in, in that believed in that vision and that he believed could execute it. And, you know, I, the culture and people part is as important as the technology part, which, you know, is hard for a CIO to say. But, um, you know, a lot of it was around breaking down business unit silos, supporting strategies that allow our leverage our global footprint. You know, we had to do a lot of business process simplification, you know, buy-in across the business, taking advantage of um, our capabilities across our board because we were we started with a number of acquisitions that were siloed. And that whole concept of simplification in order to draw drive agility, I think, is really key. And having, you know, that senior management momentum is what allows you to really take that um, momentum to move faster. Uh, you can do it without without it, but it's a lot harder. The, the You know, IT, I agree 100%, really plays a much larger role in this type of an environment and, and needs to start being thought of as a, you know, a profit center as opposed to a cost center and can add a lot of value-added services to, to the product lines that you have. But I think it still has to be driven to be really effective um, and really um, get to be market at a, at a senior level. So, Jim, when this whole business agility um, initiative was started, and, and uh, Cindy mentioned that it has to be started ideally by the business leaders, do you think there was something missing or something was felt as missing which triggered this process at Monsanto? So it was really a combination of all the all the leadership, whether it be uh, myself in IT, whether it be our chief supply officer, our customer officer, our CEO, our chief research officer, uh, really understanding this transformation that was occurring in the industry, really understanding our customers. Uh, we do things such as customer journey maps to understand how do we how do our services show up for them, and what are the things they need in, a, in a, either in a tough market or a tough cycle. Um, and how do we approach them in ways that we create value? And that's really come together. And I very much agree on the comments of it really needs to be top-down driven. Uh, but we've approached it collectively. We each bring our expertise to the table with the customer in mind. And then how do we transform uh, an industry that is so critical to the future of the world population that it's imperative? And so we have a set of, of guidelines and principles that we follow. But we are trying to advance and disrupt, not just incrementally improve. And that's created the right kind of innovative and risk-taking spirit. It's taken the right approach as we think about agile methodologies we put in place to do things at scale and at speed and do a lot of experiments and then scale those things that work really well. And that's really taken root and hold in all parts of the organization that's allowed for agility and transformation to occur uh, at the pace we're doing it. So I uh, very much agree with the comments, and it really is a, a forward-looking view with the customer at the center, and it's shaping a really important industry as we go forward with all employees part of that journey and vision. So based on what you just said, Jim, um, your your approach to what whatever you just said is very innovation-centric, and that to, and also that is also customer-centric. Now, all of that to happen, in order for that to happen, it has to be a transformation inside out where what you're trying to say by being business agility is to make your organization nimble internally so that as the customer's whims and fancies change, as the macroeconomic or sociopolitical environment change or demands change or needs change, you should be able to turn your organization on a dime. Now, that's what I would call an ideal business agility versus getting locked in the innovation where we say we'll, we'll come out with some cool stuff, but we could be a monolithic, slow-to-move type of organization still. So what is your approach? Are you going inside, cleaning that up, and then as a result, you will produce those results which are centered towards customers? 
So we're actually doing both in parallel, which um, certainly is not for the faint of heart, but um, we have a digital ag products and platforms that we work with our customers directly as well as our core products such as our seeds and traits and our chemistries that's giving us direct real-time insight of how our customers interact with us and, and how we make that easy for them to actually create create value with them. We're also digitizing and transforming internally. And so you can't do one without the other. A lot of companies will start in one place that's inside and go outside or vice versa. We're trying to do both at the same time, and that's really causing us to think differently around how we approach these problems. I've re-engineered the IT organization to be an agile based organization, global in scale, but doing things like a minimal viable product. So allow us to iterate with our business partners and our customers in real time, and then within two-week cycles, being able to deliver the next release of capability or data or technology or process. And what it's allowing them to do is the freedom to think differently, more armed with data and insights that they never had before. And now that what actually the amazing thing that's happening is they don't just think about what they know and try to organize around that. They're getting new insights, and we're getting new insights that allows us to think very differently because we have more experience now of doing things iteratively that's given us the ability to reshape the way we operate and the way we approach our business. And so we start with our people, with the right skill sets. We have processes in place to take the risk. We work directly with our customers to get immediate feedback, and then we quickly iterate and evolve on all aspects of our business to, to enhance the way we, we operate and think about this transformation, both from a customer perspective and what we're doing internally. And that's been a real important sea change in how we approach uh, transforming the industry. So that said, Cindy, if if you were to look at what uh, Jim is trying to do with his organization or his group is doing, uh, is, is definitely not for the faintest of the hearts. And fewer things are done better. When, when you go with the scale and size of Monsanto, we can totally see they may have the resources to do it. But an average organization, even though they're a billion plus, they may not always have the wherewithal to try both. So how, where would you start in, in this whole process? Well, I, I completely agree that you have to do both. And on top of what Jim said, I think for us at least, it's, a, it's, it's not, I mean, the, the customer component is huge, but part of what we also try to look at is um, technology advancements um, that are happening that we might be able to take advantage of. And so, you know, we have a long history of acquisitions, and we're um, always looking at is there something that we can buy or a company that we can partner with which will move us faster than we could move on our own. And so we're doing that, you know, that market step of constantly doing market awareness, what, what's happening out in the market from our customer standpoint, from our vendor partners, you know, from our competitors, from other companies that we might be able to leverage. And, um, and so, for example, uh, you know, we've been on a, a big digitization uh, process for our uh, back office functions um, because we're a delivery company and in a lot of ways we deliver content to our customers. And so how can we do that process in a more automated, streamlined way that gives value-added services to them such as, you know, portals that they can do their work directly, that they can see where the status of their product is in our pipeline, those types of things which are very customer-centric. But at the same time, just, just recently, we had um, we found an opportunity to, to uh, acquire a company that had both a platform that was, you know, bleeding edge, and on top of that, um, had a disruptive model of uh, sourcing uh, some of the talent that we need for the work that we do with a crowd sourcing model, thereby giving us faster access to talent and a uh, more, much more cost-effective um, uh, workforce. And so back to what Jim said about the success in being a cross-functional team, in that review of that um, acquisition, we pulled together the leaders from every area and said, okay, and or, will this work? You know, will it really give us the, the market differentiation that we need? Will it jumpstart what we're doing? Does it make sense to license it or buy it? Well, you know, really, what is that business model? And in order to make that business model um, work, what would we need to do? And before we acquired, we went through this whole process of how we were going to do value realization, which I think is a real key point to this that we haven't talked about, is how are you measuring what you're doing to make sure you're really getting the value from what you're trying to do. 
I think we're all, you know, aware of companies who acquired a lot of companies, and when it comes to the end of the day, they actually didn't get the value out of it. So for us, we're all all about that measurement and value realization um, across what we're doing. And so... You know, uh, and we decided that that was was really going to give us a huge jump start um, and and be a leverage, and but for us to be able to deliver more faster and really disrupt the model that that work is done in that part of the interest industry, and specifically, I'm talking about localization. And if you think about uh, the situation with content, you know, with things uh, over the top services, there is now proliferation of content globally that that may be made in the U.S. that we have to either dub or subtitle so that it's relevant in the country that it's being released. And more and more companies are getting um, putting that out in, in different geographies. And, you know, we've got to be able to, to keep up with that demand faster. So we had really seen that the explosive growth was going to be a problem for the industry. And buying this company ended up, we believe, being a really significant disruptor for us to be able to support the business needs of our clients. So I, I see it is this combination of customer, 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 but also what's happening both from a technology standpoint that you can leverage. And, you know, cloud, I think, for all of us has been a huge enabler for things that we might not have been able to do in-house. Um, and, and how do we take advantage of those uh, technology disruptions to, to move us faster as well as responding directly to customer requests? Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Jim, when we come back, let's talk about the challenges. You mentioned the journey is not for the faintest of the heart. So I'm sure you would have had your share of fun of dealing with things which were unpredictable and or challenging. So let's talk about them and see what is exactly uh, happening when you are trying to go through this process of business agility uh, that you want to bring into your organization. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog All. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Jim, you mentioned uh, that it was a tough journey. It has been an interesting journey. So let's talk about the top challenges that you have come across as you started from the very beginning. And what are you facing today? Yeah, so it's, um, as we said, we're trying to do both of these in parallel. We have a great uh, external part of our company called Climate that provides these digital ag services for our growers. While we're at the same token, we're digitizing internally uh, our processes and capabilities around data. Uh, so some of the challenges you run into, part of that is unlocking data, democratizing that, so moving it from data stovepipes and silos to make that data ubiquitous across the environment. There's certainly technology challenges, such as you're making sure you have a modern infrastructure, you can do things at scale, as well as leading-edge technologies that we've been bringing in and different ways of working. There's change management. So to think differently around concepts like Agile as a good example and really energizing the whole company around applying Agile methodologies to the way that you work and also breaking down uh, norms. When you're trying to disrupt the way you work, people do get held into, well, I used to do it this way. I've always done it this way, but very successful. You're asking me to do something very different, and it's a space that may be an unknown for them. So how do you bring light and you get advocacy in your company for 
um, ideas that you can bring to market or bring value. And back to Cindy's point about value realization, we're tightly coupled into value creation as well as adoption. And so we measure not just installation of a capability or a process, we look at adoption and value creation. And that could be in our pipeline, what we do in R&D and increasing the NPV of a pipeline. It could be in supply chain and connecting our supply chain to look at cost of goods reductions or optimized processes. It could be in our customer value and things like net promoter score. When we do those things at scale, we show examples of how each one of those are impacted by new ways of thinking, data, and technology, and we're re-engineering our workforce towards that view, we've been able to accelerate uh, some of the thinking, but you still have to prove its value and help the company iterate over time, saying you're not going to get it right the first time, but if you do tens of hundreds of iterations, you're evolving your thinking, you're, you're, you're generating new ideas, you're building the knowledge base in the workforce, and you're retooling and reskilling the workforce, modern processes, modern technology. Everybody has a data role in the company. Everybody has a, a role around innovation and bringing new insight. You're creating an energy that uh, it, it feeds on itself and it, it far propels the company going forward. But you've got to get through those first set of hurdles. You have to have top-down support. You have to have an innovative, risk-taking approach and spirit. And you have to learn by doing. There's a great study that says people learn 70% by actually getting involved and doing. 20% are self-taught. 10% are traditional training. So we use that 70% energy to learn by doing and iterate and evolve. And that's created a really good groundswell both externally with our, our customer-facing platforms as well as internally of how we're transforming our business. So, Cindy, typically there is not as much play money available. Yeah, you could say top of our lungs, we can shout that, yes, we want to become or we want to embrace business agility. But when it comes to the tactics or the brass tacks, there has to be some experimentation and you don't have truly a proof up front that this is going to fly and it's going to create an incremental value. And even if it does, the total ROI will be positive. So then how do you go about in the first place, creating a business case that I'm going to go approach business agility, but you cannot truly get to that complete agile form of the business till you touch quite a few areas, like Jim mentioned, he's touching every literally every part of the organization. So, so where do we start? Well, for us, I, you know, it, it's interesting. I think you have to look at your business specifically and look at your personal, you know, your company's challenges um, and opportunities and then make a decision because all of the pieces that we've talked about from, you know, uh, processes to the simplified technology to leadership culture and leadership changes, all those things are part of what needs to happen. But I think every company has things that are going to be a bigger impediment than others. And for us, because we had um, grown through acquisition and had a very siloed um, um, set of business processes, management, um, systems, et cetera, that, I'm a firm believer that simplification is a real key to agility. And if, if you have a very siloed set of processes and systems and management, that is a, a big um, hurdle to overcome. And for us, you know, our first focus has been really on how do we simplify our processes, how do we look across our company, look for where there's synergies, where there's overlaps, and try to um, come up with as simplified and common processes as we can. And so there's been a lot of effort that with that, as well as the systems component. We, we have an initiative that we're doing to come up with one workflow for all of our delivery businesses that's a simplified framework that allows us to plug and play uh, different software pieces or business processes into the framework for specific business needs, but the framework is the same and can be leveraged. And that it, once we get that into place and we're, you know, we're in the midst of that right now, that is really going to speed up the journey here. And so for us, that was a real key component. But I, I truly believe each company needs to look at themselves and say, you know, wh where are our challenges? And that's where you put, you put your focus first. And then obviously you have to address all of them. And you know, taking something Jim said, I really do think that leadership change is also really important that you move from that more hierarchical model 
um, you know, the traditional hierarchical model of, you know, people and roles and decision-making, and you have to make that much much more about setting strategies, setting um, guiding principles, and then, you know, enabling and empowering your teams to, to make decisions quickly. Because the, the, when you add a, a, a bureaucracy and a hierarchical model to it, you automatically slow everything down. So permeating that mindset through the culture is really a key component as well. So, Jim, the road to business agility, if I were to try to understand that road, would you think that it is a a combination of quite a few innovations and integration among different things? And even if it gets complex, but if the outcome is business agility, then it is all forgiven? Or would you start with saying, let me simplify the organization and its interfaces and the way the different elements work. And if I'm able to achieve simplicity, then it's going to be easy for me to maneuver things, which can be redefined or, or termed as business agility. Would you start with simplicity to achieve business agility or no matter what ugliness it can, you know, is there inside, as long as the outcome is that you get things out faster, it's okay. Well, I think Cindy said an important point around really focusing on what's important for your business and how do you drive value in your business. You kind of start there. And then what you realize is um, it's not just one group that owns or drives it. It's how do you connect the groups or connect the data or connect the information or the processes in a way that achieves that outcome. And everybody thinks that they're going to be agile in their particular space. And they probably are in their functional areas doing some agile things. But when we actually looked at it horizontally, what we actually saw was we had to create agility in the organization to think and connect horizontally. So supply chain doesn't sit on its own. It has a direct impact to what we do in the pipeline in R&D and direct impact to what we do in commercial, how we sell to our growers. Our digital ag platform does not sit on its own. It actually will impact and change the way we do research or how we do supply chain. Our commercial go-to-market strategy is not in isolation of the products that we're developing and the ability of what we can produce uh, for our growers. So getting the agility to be anchored in outcomes and this horizontal view starts to change people's perspective of how they need to think and operate around data, around process and technology. And I know our own examples, and we've connected the dots across that horizontal view. We've created agile work teams that are cross-representative of supply chain, commercial, IT, finance, R&D. What, as, what ends up happening is you have a very different lens you're now applying. And now that drives kind of a mirror on my function. How, is my, how agile is my function? And you start to realize you're not as agile as you think, or you start to realize there's other priorities you now need to connect with to create this integrated value versus a functional stovepipe value. And that's created a step change in thinking. Even as we think about our offerings, we've moved from we sell seeds and trades or chemistry or bioags or uh, products or digital products, we sell integrated solutions. And from a grower or customer perspective, they want to see how those products come together to create value for them on the farm. That's been a change in mindset for our company and allowed us to drive more agility horizontally, focus on the key outcomes that drive value, and then take this iterative, agile approach to show every week or every two weeks we're incrementing our value every day. And so the combination of those things have allowed us to change our mindset and be more agile for the company and learn as we go and create high value for our customers. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, Cindy, you know, we, we've all heard that execution eats strategy for breakfast. So definitely there is something to be said about you have to have the right mindset at the corporate level. Then the, the horizontal integration that Jim mentioned should be in place. And now when we talk about the brass tacks, when the projects have to be identified, you have to rationalize, you have to get budgets, you've got to get people on board, everything like that we are speaking about, that's where the challenges occur. Let's dig deeper into those challenges because once we tackle those challenges, when we can roll it up to say a company or a business is becoming a job. So please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. 
If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoke All at CIOTalkNetwork.com. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoke All. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Cindy, let's let's go to the brass tacks. Let's talk about the initiatives that you may have started at the top, which may be an ivory tower when you included the people who were to do it. But now you're going to rationalize, you're going to prioritize, and you're going to have people who are are going to be invited to do those projects, which is against their grain. Let's talk challenges. Let's talk issues which would be holding you back from being able to realize this dream. Well, for for us, I think the the biggest challenge is that we have a very large appetite for business agility, and we have to balance that with the work that we have to do to deliver our day-to-day business. And so because we're quite a number of different lines of business within our company, so we have everything from creative services like visual effects and 3D mastering to um, delivery to um, uh, different platforms and services uh, like over the set top box, uh, IP-based uh, delivery of services. So we have a lot of different companies within our umbrella, and and all of them are are moving you know full speed ahead to meet their own profitability targets and also to deliver services on an ongoing basis. And we're you know we're very much driven by our customer and our customer schedules. And for example, as you can imagine, right now in the holiday season, for anybody who's dealing with content, the you know. This is our busy season because everybody's putting out movies right now. And so we have to do that work. And, we, we, and with the same people, we have to do the, take advantage of the opportunities as they come. And so that, that balancing of the work is very interesting. And we are using a, a lot of times, especially for the um, really significant opportunities like that acquisition that I just discussed, we're trying to put together tiger teams um, for, you know, projects that can be short, you know, one to three month max timeline. We're trying to pull those people out of their business as usual work to really focus on the opportunity. And then when that's done, cycle them to, to, to out and cycle another team in so that we're not burning uh, people out. So that's a key issue that we have. Probably the other big key issue that we, we struggle with is the amount of change that our business wants to do. Because again, there are so many different businesses within our umbrella and they all have opportunities that they want to take advantage of. And how do we as a, as a management team decide where the biggest opportunities are and where we should focus? And so for us, that's really been about um, making those decisions as a management team. So, you know, we agree, uh, we meet quarterly for multi-day off-sites, agree on what the strategy is. We did a, a, a plan for the next couple of years on what the priorities were. Um, obviously, those change, but we continue to take that back up to this, this cross-line of business management team to make those decisions. So everybody's buying into where we're putting our um, focus for the time, and that way I think we get that cross-business buy-in, they all participate because they've all bought into the decision and we're able to not get pulled off to 10 competing new opportunities that may cause us to do them all partially instead of one completely uh, the way we want. And as I said before, I think the measurement component is key. We really, I think, are doing a really good job of defining what it is to be successful with the opportunity before we start it and then making sure that we actually are measuring it through the process and, and at the end. And again, we're, we're exactly as was said, we use that minimal viable product approach. You know, it's all about 80% solutions, right? What is the minimum product that we can get out that meets the biggest business need? And let's not over-engineer and try to use the methodology I'm used to because I've been in IT for a long time, which is I want everything in my first release. You'll never give me anything again. <laughs> and you try to do that. I'm going to make it 100% perfect. We, tr- we go in saying we're going to make it 80%. We're going get the, the biggest bang for our buck, and then we'll move on because that's where we're going to get the biggest value and the most agility. 
So th- those are our struggles, and really we're trying to do that through really stronger governance and, and oversight of these initiatives while we're allowing the teams to make their own decisions and, and move quickly. So the outcome of business agility is, of course, allowing you the nimbleness and you can move and you can serve your customers better. So, Jim, when you look at this whole mantra of agility, is it not kind of dependent also on your value chain players, your partners or acquired or merged entities, whosoever you're dealing with? Because you're the ultimate sum total of agile operations and the approach you take to change Across all of these is what is going to be experienced by the customer. Now, the interesting challenge here would be that you may be all gung-ho about it, but your partner may not be. Then what? Yeah, so it's uh, understanding your partner ecosystem is uh, really critical. And, and you think about this transformation that's going on in many industries, the partners you have today are still strong partners, but you may have new partners that you work with that you haven't had before. And trying to create value for them, as well as they may be the intermediary between you and your customer. So how do you create a value play for them and then creating value play for your customer and getting them enrolled and engaged in that? So example for us may be in our connected supply chain. Well, we want visibility from our manufacturing uh, and, and packaging of our seeds into the distributor, into the growers, because we want to understand that experience. And if we don't create value for our distributors, then they may not be able to deliver the value for the customers and, and they they don't, we don't want them to be seen as a, um, we're creating burden for them. So if we're connecting the supply chain and looking at what's in our inventory pipeline, both the distributor level, at our manufacturing level, and at the grower level, we have capabilities we can work with them. To, they can create value for their customers. If we're out of stock in their plant, maybe there's another uh, plant that has available stock we can ship to them. And it, having that visibility supply chain creates value on both ends. So it has to be a win-win. You have to understand your partner ecosystem, and you have to create value, again, using the customer as the final uh, recipient of that value. And as I talked about, new partners come in. We work with a lot of startups. We work, we work with a lot of new companies that we're trying, we're trying to digitize that creates new value of capabilities we can bring together on our integrated solutions platform. So we're constantly looking at that ecosystem, but where we've seen the highest uptake is when there's a win-win partnership with our partners, and then that creates higher value for our customers, and that's a high focus for us as we think about our, our overall strategy for the company. So when what you do I, what click- I would add to that, if, if I could, is I think it's also um, making sure that you're working with them early in your cycles and making sure that your partners and, you know, potential partners are really aware of your business strategy because a lot of these um, companies are in the same positions we are, right? They're trying to iterate and make sure they're serving their customers, which is us in this case, and it's nice to be a customer occasionally. Um, and, you know, they'll work with you, right? And if you start to tell them where you're trying to go, um, you'd be surprised how much they'll help you get where you, you want if it, may, if it ends up making sense to them. So for me, part of it is early on making sure you're constantly talking to the people who you think might be going in the direction that you are and making sure they're really clear on what would help you with your business vision. And, you know, we're, we're, we're working with a couple of very, very large providers right now that I wouldn't have expected to cater to us as much as they are, and they are, right? So a lot of times it is that win-win, but getting there early and articulating what you need really helps get the, your partners there at the same time you need them to be there. Now, so Jim, coming back to that particular partner ecosystem. So starting out, you may have created the best partnerships you could imagine because you felt there is an alignment. But given the environments change, the variables change, ecosystem change, and that specific, say, one partner or a couple of partners, they may have their own reasons to not be able to keep up with the pace or the agility that you want, and that brings down everyone. So how do you keep managing those weaker links? Or they were not weaker links earlier, but now they became weaker. Do you just get rid of them, replace them with someone who can catch up? How do you play this juggling act? Yeah, I think you have to make, going back to this uh, partner ecosystem, who are the real strategic partners you have in an ecosystem? What's the relationship look like today? What does it need to be to drive uh, the value you want to create in, in your industry or segment 
uh, back to your focus on your customers. You may create some different strategic partnerships or relationships than you have today once you understand that value stream you're trying to extend. And I know we've done that across a number of partners that we work with, and we've been very targeted on a more strategic relationship on some of those partners we think are true accelerators uh, for that vision and that shared vision. Um, and for those that we may be seen sometimes as a threat or uh, we're disrupting, um, that actually happens as you're trying to transform uh, your company or your industry. But even there, there's a win-win scenario that you can work through that allows them to create value and you to create value. And they, with success with other partners, that they want to tend to be more on your platform. And we, we have very much a platform-based mindset and model. And that platform requires a partner ecosystem to be successful. So if you know that going in, it's a very different dialogue from you just provide me a service to a dialogue, we're creating a platform we want you to be part of so we can create value both for our companies and for our customers. Very different discussion. And you can enter into very strategic relationships that maybe that were transactional in the past but create shared opportunity. And so that's been a step change in our thinking uh, and evolution. has been very successful uh, in where we've really gone after that strategic relationship. Uh, we have a lot more to do. There's a long road ahead. But uh, that's kind of the pivot we've been taking as we think about that ecosystem. Now, human has limits. So while we started out with us trying to manage uh, or have a sustained growth and profitability and or at least existence, and that's why we said, okay, let's become agile, let's become nimble and work in that direction. But if this unknowingly converts into a race and human beings who are workers working in your organization start getting burned out, then the very resources, I mean, I would call them resources or one of the most important resources, if they are not being effective, then God bless what's going to happen to your initiatives. So how do you strike a balance with respect to the people who are making it happen and, and at the same time achieving your business goal is a, a million dollar idea or a question or a crusade. Let's talk more about it. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, Cindy, I'd like you to touch on the human element and how do you keep them motivated and not go out of bounds with your initiatives or the speed where it becomes counterproductive. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoe Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Cindy, there is as is no breather for the workforce. You talk IT, you talk even business, uh, you know, workforce. So, when we are trying to work on this business agility, there is definitely more work coming to them or maybe a variety of work or something they have never tackled before. So in all counts, there is a discomfort. How do you, how do you make them feel from inside out motivated when there is a discomfort or a new territory to jump on board and give their best? Well, I think it, uh, we kind of talked about leadership a little bit and how this is a much more of a change from that old hierarchical model, and it's more about, you know, uh, a flatter, networked, connected environment. And part of that is really making sure that the strategy is clearly articulated on an ongoing basis to to the, all the team members. And so they really understand what the company is trying to do, and they buy into their part of it. And for I have found for most people, that is an amazing motivator, especially if they were feeling a little disconnected from what the company was doing and very siloed in whatever their function was. Being part of these initiatives is a huge motivator for most of our teams. They appreciate being able to be in something that, that they can see real value in a short amount of time, either for our customer, customers or for our own um, viability. And so um, 
as I said before, what we try to do is um, cycle tiger teams for specific initiatives so that we get more people working on um, these types of initiatives and then pull them out in, into back into their regular functions. And that way they were permeating this new agile um, culture to more people in the organization. And so, honestly... Sometimes there's a little fear. I think, uh, as you said, it's it's a little scary to jump into a different environment. But um, because it's quick and, you know, they're part of the team, you, they get over that pretty quickly for the most part. And, you know, for the few people who don't, generally if, if they're good and they like what they're doing and it's more of a support function, we have that need as well. So, you know, for, for some people who just don't want to jump into the new, um, we're we need those people as well for the most part as long as we have um, both sets of people. So we we really, it's a, it's definitely a change management piece, but um, it's actually for us so far, it's been considered a huge win for the, the teams. They understand that they're working with new technology. They understand the value to the company. They actually get closer to the business as well. So it becomes less of an, you know, a service request process and more of a how do we solve this problem together, which really they, I think it has increased our IT's organization's understanding of all the facets of the business so that what they're delivering is, is, is even better. And, you know, the other thing that we've done as part of this, and I think it's just important to do always, but I think some, some shops don't do this as aggressively as they should, but you need to make sure that your team's staying abreast of um, technology and, and um, what's happening in the industry. So we do a lot of, um, you know, they, they go to conferences, they get trained. We also try to bring the business in to talk to them about where they're going so they're hearing it directly. We bring our um, partners in to do briefings to the team. So we're also definitely increased the learning opportunities for the team so that they're ready because these opportunities happen, you have to jump. And if, for example, you have a team who isn't, for example, used to dealing with cloud or maybe they haven't done much with open source, you need to get them so that when the opportunity comes, they're ready to, to move. You can't react when the opportunity comes. So we've definitely also invested more in um, making sure that their skill sets are up to date. And Again, that's been a huge motivator for the teams, and and I, I you know, the burnout. It's you know, you always have to do, deal with burnout in organizations. I think we all um, are in an environment where we're expected to do more than sometimes seems humanly possible. But it's a lot more um, enjoyable to do that when you feel like you're keeping your skill sets up, you feel like you're doing something new, and you can truly see the value of what you're doing um, quickly. So, uh, what is the DNA, Jim, that you would expect of a worker who would be the best, most uh, compatible, if you will, to an organization which is embarking on this business agility uh, pursuit? Yeah, I think there's um, uh, a, a lot in, in passion and uh, intent. Uh, if as an IT professional, as a business professional, you have many choices. You can work in many companies. You can work in many industries. And you know, why do you work in the company that you're in or the industry you're in? If there's if there's a commitment to that company or that industry, that there's a, that's a long way for people's enthusiasm and 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 um, and passion for being there. And so you really want to capture that passion then with impact. How do I, in my role, have impact in what I do? And, and what I try to do is I try to link, no matter where you are in the IT function, you have a role to our vision and strategy. So if you're in the network and operations group, you have a direct impact by having a highly reliable, highly scalable network and infrastructure that we can move the petabyte of data and we can make that data accessible real-time, wherever we need around the world, to driving our vision of unlocking digital yield for the company. And so that association of, I want to be in the industry, in this case agriculture, because it has a big impact to the world. I want, in my role, to have a line of sight to the vision and strategy that we're driving for, and I want to see that impact materialize when we draw that line of sight, it's amazing what people will do, the innovation they bring, the excitement they bring, the thinking they bring. If you can just unlock it and you don't have a hierarchy, it's a team of folks that are doing dramatic things, whether it be in the infrastructure, whether it be in the application space, whether it be in the data space, whether it be in the business space, 
that's what I look for. Because with that passion, um, it's amazing what they can achieve. And then you arm them with school skills. They, you arm them in teams they can learn. That you have mentor-mentee relationships. We do paired programming. We do a lot in open source, as Cindy said as well, so people can get educated. We work directly with our business partners in these DevOps teams, so they're learning the business in addition to helping the business understand the value and impact and disruption of technology and data. That environment creates such um, energy and, and focus. Even though people, quote, unquote, they're working long hours, it's, it's a mission of love that they actually have, and, and what they bring together is, is truly amazing. So that's what we try to instill and foster, and we give them the empowerment to make sure they have work-life balance, to make sure they're taking care of their family, making sure their priorities are right, um, and we give them support for that, and that creates kind of the ecosystem we want to create uh, that not only keeps really good people, but actually attracts new people to our, to our company. Now, Cindy, this is one last question, one minute for you. <laughs> um, since, since nobody is fully cooked for this business agility pursuit, including yourself as a leader, because you may have done many other things and you got a lot of experience, but there are many new things coming at you. So if you were to give a message to the leadership out there, what would you say to them in terms of what do they need to acquire or maintain or improve in terms of their leadership so that they are ready to take this on? Well, it's, a, it's actually a lot of what uh, was just said. It, the, the same thing we expect of our people is what, what we should have ourselves, right? So it's it's that passion. It's truly understanding the, the business that you're in and the industry in, it, that you're in and making sure that you're really staying abreast of the opportunities and threats that are hitting that industry, that, that you're aware of who your market is and who your competitors. It's about those relationship skills because in a, this kind of a teaming environment, a lot of it is around how well you communicate, how well you work with others. How do you how, how do you set up that ecosystem in which you can help both your team and your company um, move forward quickly? And and also with that dealing with ambiguity. So it, it really is you know opening up those same skill sets in yourself, spending as much time as you can with the business and the industry and the technology, and and keeping abreast so that you can uh, provide that leadership and guidance when it's, when it's needed because, you know, we're, I think one of the messages that we got across here is it's a management team that makes these decisions and that happens all the way down. These are these network teams and you, you have to understand all sides of it to really participate at the level that you need to. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, Jim and Cindy, for sharing your thoughts on how organizations and their leaders can master the recipe for business agility. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Great. Thank you. And listeners, hope you enjoyed it. Like us on Facebook, search for CTN, that is CIO Talk Network, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and uh, join our LinkedIn community. Thank you again for listening to CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.